Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church Lagos. We hope this sermon answers the doubts or questions that you have about the gospel, its relevance to your life, and the ever-evolving culture around us. Our vision is to see the city of Lagos and beyond renewed by the gospel, and to make that happen, we need your support. You can do this by rating this podcast, following us, and giving through the Give tab on our website, citychurchlagos.com. Thank you for your generosity. We pray this sermon impacts you positively with the gospel. Good morning, church. Today's Bible reading will be taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 to 8. When I'm done reading, I will say, this is the word of the Lord. Please respond with saying, thanks be to God. From verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Man, what a, what a pleasure to be here. Um, there, the, I have the great privilege of being able to serve a number of churches. I, I have also helped to start a church, a, plant, a church plant that I, I uh, was a part of for many years in Mexico City, kind of uh, Nigeria's Mexican, Lagos's Mexican cousin, Mexico City. Um, and let me just say sincerely, earnestly, this is one of my very favorite places to be in worship on a Sunday. Is with you. I mean, I'm, I'm standing up here and I'm worshiping and I'm singing and I'm like, wow, what a work God is doing in this place. So thank you. It's, it's my clumsy way of just saying thank you. Uh, one more note before we really dig in here. There, there is often a misunderstanding that I hear from people in places that I get to serve. Um, you know, why would you do this? James and I were talking about this last night. Why would you travel all this way and what do you get out of it? It's, it just seems too, like, what, what's the point? And, and I want to say, I have received so much from you. Uh, my prayer life, mine, is enriched from worshiping at City Church Lagos. Uh, my, <laughs> this is sincere, uh, my understanding of hospitality and generosity is enriched because of my time with you, with my friends here in this church. So... I'm getting the better end of the deal. I get the better deal. Yeah, this is, this is great. Um, when I first met Femi, uh, this is my recollection, Femi. We might argue later if this is accurate or not. When we first met, we've met over email through some friends, and then we met on Zoom. It was the first time we talked to each other. 
And one of the very first things that Pastor Femi said uh, to kind of break the ice was, you know, I'm, I'm Pastor Femi, this is the vision for the church, but I want you to know that I'm not that Nigerian prince who sends emails asking for your bank account information, right? And we didn't really know each other yet, and it was funny, it was a way to break the ice, but you know what else it was? It was very savvy, it was very wise, because Femi didn't know what assumptions I might be coming with to the table because we didn't know each other. Now, I didn't have the assumption of a Yahoo boy or anything like that. I know Lagos a little bit, right? I didn't have that assumption, but he didn't know that I didn't have that assumption. And so by making a joke, he was also introducing himself and letting me, uh, potentially removing an obstacle that I might have had to understanding him better, right? To, to recognizing him rightly. Because if I did operate on the assumption of a Yahoo boy or of an email from Nigeria, and that would have been a block, that would have been an obstacle, it would have been a filter by which I, I viewed everything that he was saying, and I would have missed the vision for a new church in Lagos. Do you see? My understanding, his words, were predicated on recognizing him rightly. Now, we're looking at a passage here that's all about recognizing Jesus rightly. It's a passage that we read earlier today. I wonder if you have ever misrecognized someone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen the small child who grabs onto the leg of an adult in the room only to look up and discover it's not their parent? Have you seen this happen? And the look of horror on their face for just a moment where they misrecognized the adult thinking it was their parent? Have you ever misrecognized somebody? In university, I waited tables. I worked at a restaurant for several years just helping to pay the bills. And one night, I had a late shift. I was working late. It was my last table. I was tired. I walked up on the table. And as I'm walking up, I'm walking up behind the person who's sitting there. And as I walk up, I say, what can I get you tonight, sir? And the woman, yes, turned to me and said, ma'am. And I said, what can I get you tonight, ma'am? There's no recovering. I just recognized that I wasn't going to receive a tip from that table. <laughs> right? I wonder if you've ever misrecognized someone. <laughs> I misrecognized that person. I mistook her for a him. And tonight, or today, this morning, we're looking at a passage where Jesus is going out of his way to say something to his disciples. Now, if you're in this room and you are one of his disciples, if you call yourself a Christian, this passage is for you. <laughs> if you call yourself a Christian, then you want to know who Jesus is. You want to know how he reveals himself, his truest identity, to his people, right? So this passage is for you. Now, if you're in this room and you're not, you don't call yourself a Christian, this passage is for you. You're here today, and you're here for a reason. And so even if you don't call yourself a Christian, I wonder if that's because you just, you're just coasting. And you, you don't call yourself a Christian because you've never really thought about it that hard at all. This passage is for you. Wouldn't it be better to really consider who Jesus presents himself to be and then decide if you're a Christian or not. If, I, if you're in this room and you've decided uh, vociferously that you're not going to be a Christian and your, your auntie or your grandmother dragged you here, 
<laughs> this passage is for you because I'm pretty confident that you made that decision based on a misunderstanding, a false understanding of who Jesus really is, right? Okay, we're gonna look at this passage with two primary questions. We've got two thesis questions. We've got, do you recognize Jesus? It's a good, easy thesis question. Do you recognize Jesus? And the second question is, are you listening to Jesus? Do you recognize Jesus and are you listening to Jesus? First, do you recognize him? It'd be good to just give a little bit of uh, context leading up to this passage, right? We've got um, uh, the, the whole book of Matthew all the way to chapter 17. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, these little biographies of Jesus, we, we have them uh, really unusual in terms of how we think about biographies. Typically, a biography is kind of separated. Uh, you have some, somebody covering uh, their, their first, uh, the first part of their life and going through their childhood and their development. But with, but with these little biographies of Jesus, we, we just kind of, we have his birth, we have one episode from his, his childhood, and then we just move all, right, right away into his ministry, right? These three years of ministry that Jesus had. But it's even more lopsided than that. We have, we have almost just a significant percentage of Matthew that's really about just the final weeks of Jesus's life. And we have this, this uh, just the final weeks. And this turn in Matthew 17 is where Jesus is beginning to really, really present himself to take his self-revelation and make it more explicit to people. Beginning with his disciples in a scene like we, like we read, and then moving in, 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 in confrontation with false teachers and with Pharisees, and, and he's, he's becoming more and more direct in his self-revelation of who he is. And in this passage, we can see his answer <laughs> to the question of who he is, right? He's, say, he's saying to his disciples, I want you to see something. I want you to recognize me rightly. That's what he is saying to his disciples. And I wonder, I want, I want you to think as we're going through this, do you recognize him? I want you to think on that first question. So first, um, this scene called the transfiguration. Jesus is transfigured. His, 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 his face changes. <laughs> his face shines like the sun his clothes like light. Can you imagine? We sang earlier that, that, that wonderful chorus together, the, uh, the awesome, 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 over and over again, right? This is the kind, this is the kind of worship that the scene, that, that the disciples see Jesus, just for this moment, this glimpse, Jesus kind of pull back the mask, as it were, on his humanity and reveal his truest identity, who he always has been since the beginning of time. This, this almighty king, this almighty one, this Lord of lords, this creator of everything, right? We, and just the slightest pulling back, even just for an instant, what happens? His face like the sun, his clothes like light awesome. Do you recognize him? 
do you recognize him? Do you recognize him rightly? You see, he's, he's pulled Peter, James, and John aside. He's taken them up onto the mountaintop on purpose. He wants, the, he wants them to see and recognize him rightly. Do you recognize him rightly? Mark, who also records this story of the transfiguration, when you read him, you can almost, you can almost feel him grasping for language. What does he say? He says, imagine if all the bleach in the world were used, so white were his clothes, right? He's just trying to explain this scene, this display of Jesus's deity, this radical display of his deity. And, and Matthew here, his face like the sun, his clothes white like light. Mark, or Matthew, pardon me, goes on, and he, he doesn't stop at just Jesus's, just, just this one appearance, like his, his face like the sun, his clothes like light, this radiant glory. He moves on, and he, and he, um, he tells of, of he, he's echoing what we've seen before in Jesus's life. <laughs> what did we see before in Jesus's life and ministry? We see this person who is given little hints at who he is over and over again. And, and sometimes big hints. This is a guy who cleanses lepers. This is a guy who heals the sick. This is a guy who raises the dead even. Imagine. This is a guy who stands in a temple or stands in a synagogue and opens a scroll and points to Isaiah and says, this passage is about me. This is a radical kind of rabbi, a radical kind of teacher, I wonder. Do you recognize him? Do you recognize him rightly? Matthew moves on. After this, this uh, majestic appearance, this, this radiant glory, <laughs> and, and what happens next? Right there, in their midst, are who? Moses and Elijah. For Peter, James, and John, who are present at this time, who are Moses and Elijah for them? They're heroes of antiquity. You know, the, Peter, James, and John, they're Hebrews. They're, they're Israelites. And Moses and Elijah are, are heroes of antiquity. More than that, they're representative of their people, of their place, of their, of, of, from whence they came. Moses, the great man of the law. Elijah, the great prophet. And here they are in, a, in, a, in an instant, in a glimpse of who Jesus always has been and who he will forever will be after his resurrection. This, this radiant glory just, listen, just at the revelation of his identity. The great man of the law and the great, man, and the great prophet are called across time and space and dimensions inconceivable and they're there in his presence. It must be this way. So mighty, so powerful is Jesus. Do you recognize him? Do you recognize him rightly? We see his glorious appearance at first in his, in his face like the sun, his clothes like light, and then we see his overwhelming power when Moses and Elijah are called and they are at his feet. Perhaps you remember a moment when Jesus said, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets. 
I've come to fulfill them. Do you remember this, this moment? Here we see a certain kind of manifestation of that, those words from Jesus. Moses representing the law. Elijah representing the prophets. The law, this, this, this new way of doing society given from God for a certain kind of nation and people, right? And uh, a prophecy, a word from God through a man for his people, for his nation. And we see that it's not Jesus who serves, who's, who's servant to the law and the prophets. No, no, no. The law and the prophets are servant to him. He is so mighty, he is so powerful that, that at the mere, uh, at his mere presentation of who he is, there they are in his presence speaking with them. And somehow, somehow the disciples recognize them. I don't know how. They know who they are. It's an amazing, amazing moment. Awesome. Awesome. I wonder, do you recognize him? This Jesus, this King, this almighty God, this power, this pulsing, radiating power from the almighty King. Do you recognize him? It doesn't stop there. Peter, uh, if you are familiar with Peter, you're familiar with he's usually the one to speak up. He starts talking. <laughs> Did you notice that? Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. I'm going to build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, a number of Bible teachers, Bible scholars said, you know, have said, Peter is starstruck. Have you ever been starstruck? Have you ever uh, come across somebody you really respect or admire kind of suddenly and you don't know what to say? Perhaps you're silent. Perhaps you start just kind of babbling. Peter's a little bit babbling here. As a matter of fact, we learn that uh, even while he's still talking, the next scene happens. We don't even know what, what he says next because he's just overwhelmed by the next voice that we'll get to in a moment, <laughs> right? Have you, started, have you ever started babbling when you're starstruck? I think, there's some, I think there's truth to that. I think that's part of what's going on here with Peter is he's just in this presence. It's this rabbi he's been following for nearly three years, Jesus, his, his mentor, his guide, this person that more and more and more he's beginning to perceive and understand and recognize rightly more and more who he really is. And he sees this glorious manifestation of Jesus' truest identity. And then in that moment, as a Hebrew, as an Israelite, he sees in his presence Elijah and Moses. It's, it's unbelievable. And so while, yes, I think he's starstruck, I think also Peter's first instinct is right. What does he say? It is good. He says, this is good. This is good. <laughs> I want to be here in the presence of your glorious light, in the presence of your manifest power, in the presence of the Almighty One. I want to bask in this light. I want to be in, with, with these people, the saints who have gone before. Do you see? This is good. It's a beautiful scene, even though Peter also kind of doesn't know what he's saying. His first instinct is right on. This is good. How do we remain, how do we remain here like this? The scene continues, but first let me ask again. 
do you recognize him? Do you recognize Jesus as almighty king? The kind of the kind of mighty, the kind of powerful, the kind of overwhelming glory and power that that radiance bursts from him. The power that calls Moses and Elijah across time and space and dimensions incomprehensible. Do you recognize this Jesus? Do you? You can answer. Some of you. <laughs> Do you recognize Jesus? William Taylor, as a, a preacher, a pastor in London, he said when he looking at this passage, a picture paints a thousand words. This is an expression that, that we use. Is this a, an expression here too? A picture may paint a thousand words, but it also elicits a thousand meanings. For clarity, words are required. For clarity, words are required. And that leads us to our next point. For our first question was, what do you recognize him? Our next question was, are you listening to him? The picture paints a thousand words. So far, we've had this glorious picture. <laughs> this, this, this picture that's unlike anything we've ever seen, we've ever encountered. And here we have words. What happens next? A bright cloud envelops them. The three disciples, Jesus, Moses, Elijah. A bright cloud is present there. And the heavenly father, a voice from heaven, what does he say? He speaks words and he gives clarity. If there was any doubt <laughs> about Jesus's identity, about recognizing him rightly, the words of God the Father speak clarity over the identity of God the Son. If you want clarity, words are required. What does the heavenly Father say? This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. The words that every son wants to hear from a father, I'm proud of you. I love you. And then, what does he say? One command, yes? Listen to him. Listen. God the Father says, to him. This is God the Son. Listen to him. Now this scene, it, uh, it evokes, uh, it, it reminds us of another scene where God the Father speaks over God the Son. Anybody remember that scene? So, yes, his baptism. His baptism. We're, we're going to return to that in just a moment. Because in both of these scenes, we see Jesus' identity revealed a bit more, put on display for those who follow him so that there's no mistaking who he is. In both of those scenes, God the Father is present and confirms that clear, clearly with his word, right? I wonder, do you hear him? Are you listening to him? Now, here we have the words of God the Father. Let's look at some of Jesus' words. We looked very briefly at kind of, kind of the big context of Matthew and this, this turn around Matthew 17 where, where Jesus is becoming more and more and more direct and explicit with who he is and what his identity is about. Let's look at the immediate context. What happens right before this scene, this transfiguration on the mount? There are two uh, uh, scenes right in a row. 
two episodes right in a row. One is Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, who do you, or who do people, pardon me, who do people say that I am? Now, let's just pause there before we get to the disciples' answer. If there was ever any other evidence that Jesus cares about how he is recognized, it is the direct question, who do people say that I am? <laughs> he is concerned with his, with, with him being recognized for who he is. So he says, who do people say that I am to his disciples? And they respond, ah, a teacher, a prophet, a new Elijah, right? You see, again, a, a hint at this Elijah thing, this, this prophet of old. A teacher, a prophet, and then Jesus takes that question, who do you say that I am, and he, or who do people say that I am, and he makes it pointed and direct at his disciples, and he says, who do you? say that I am, right? Who speaks up first? Peter. Peter speaks up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In Jesus's words, remember, listen to him. Listen to his question, who do you say that I am? Listen to his response to Peter's confession. We confessed the Nicene Creed earlier. Listen to Peter's confession. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' affirmation, blessed are you, Peter, he says. Blessed are you. Jesus' Jesus's words offer clarity of his identity. He blesses Peter's response. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one, the one of old, the rescuer, the savior of all things. Blessed are you, Jesus says to Peter for this confession of Jesus' truest identity. Do you see that? I wonder, are you listening to his words? Are you listening to him? Do you recognize who he really is? And are you listening to his words? Now, I said there were two scenes. One is this where Jesus asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? And then immediately, basically immediately following that, Jesus begins speaking of his death. And again, remember, we're at the turn in his ministry where he's becoming more, more and more direct, and he begins speaking directly with his disciples about the fact that he must be killed. And on the third day, he will rise. I mean, if there's ever anything very direct, it's this. And Peter takes Jesus aside and says, no, you, can't, you will not be killed. Don't worry, I got your back. I'll take care of it, basically. And what is Jesus' response to that? First, Peter confesses. Jesus blesses. Then Peter pulls Jesus aside and says, no, you will not be killed. And Jesus rebukes. He rejects. Listen, my friends, there is such, where I'm from, maybe it's the same here. There is such a common misrecognition of who Jesus is. I hear it over and over and over again. It's, it's sustained throughout generations. It's the exact same thing. When Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, a good teacher, a wise person, somebody like Elijah. Have you heard that? Have you heard people today say the same thing about who Jesus is? A really wise guy, a really smart person, a really great teacher, a good prophet. Listen. He is all of those things, but he is not merely those things. He is so much more. 
and we see him revealing his identity directly, intentionally, with purpose, in, in, say, in blessing the confession that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And we see his identity again confirmed in his rebuke of Peter. Where he, he says to Peter, what you have in mind is so contrary to my mission so as to be satanic. Get out of my way. Imagine. Jesus at this time in, in Luke, who also records these scenes, it says that Jesus at this time, his face was fixed on Jerusalem. His mission was clear. He was aimed at the cross. Peter says, don't worry, Jesus, I got your back. And Jesus says, no, no, Peter, you don't die for me. I die for you. Peter had it backwards. Now, the people, the people who the disciples cite as saying, <laughs> a good teacher, a prophet, somebody like Elijah, they failed to recognize Jesus rightly. They misrecognized him. Do you see that? And they misrecognized him in a particular way. They miss, they failed to recognize his glory, his kingship, his radiance, his power. They had reduced him to merely a good teacher. Peter, when he pulls Jesus aside and says, no, you must not die, he failed to recognize Jesus rightly, but he failed to recognize his humility. Do you see you can fail to recognize Jesus rightly by not seeing his glory or by not recognizing his humility. He is at once the almighty king, the creator of everything, and at the same time, the humble servant. The one who becomes like one of us. Imagine the creator of the universe voluntarily becoming like one of us. And Peter forgot that and he failed to recognize Jesus's humility do you recognize him rightly do you see him are you listening to him do you hear his words over and over and over again he is offering clarity of who he is I wonder if you've heard again this is a common thing that I hear and where I'm from is you know Jesus himself never talked to never equated himself to be God you know have you heard this have they read Matthew 17 he is he is glorious he is radiant he is overpowering he is he is magnificent he is beautiful he he calls to himself the, the law and the prophets and shows that they serve him, that he is the almighty one. And at the same time, he is a humble servant whose face is fixed on Jerusalem on the cross. And he says, I die for you. <laughs> Do you recognize him rightly? Are you listening to him? You know, just like with uh, Pastor Femi, that first meeting, you know, if I had been operating under wrong assumptions about who he is, then I wouldn't have heard his words. My friends, I want to challenge you. Believers or unbelievers, recognize Jesus rightly. This, the title of the sermon is Learning to Listen. I wonder if you've ever had somebody who just, no matter 
how much you try to talk to them, it's like they're not listening. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know what? They failed at step one. Recognizing you. Seeing you. Once they understand you, like just take you at your word of who you are, then they can begin to listen. Recognize Jesus rightly. He is almighty king. He is humble servant. In, in both of those categories, to, to, the, to infinite degrees <laughs> beyond what we have comprehended or imagined on our own. Recognize him rightly and listen to his words. There's a movie that I just watched with my kids not very long ago. And in this movie, uh, there's a, a protagonist, uh, a hero, and he has to go off on a quest. And because of that, he is separated from his daughter. And during this time, for years, his daughter is in the care of what we learn is actually the villain of the, of the story. And this villain, over time, is whispering, is speaking lies about the father to the daughter over and over and over again. So much so that when the father and the daughter are reunited years later, the daughter, while she recognizes her father physically, she doesn't recognize him for who he really is, for what motivates him, for how much he loves her, for how much, uh, so much of what he is about to do is on her behalf. Are you with me? I wonder if, if you are failing to recognize Jesus, if it is because of a stream of lies about who he is given to you by all of the noise around us over years and years and years. And so even when he presents himself to you, you fail to see him, who he really is, his motivations, his character, his unfailing love, his always and forever steadfast love, his humility and his glory. Do you recognize him? And are you listening to him? Let me leave you with this, uh, my friends. When Pastor Femi asked if I wouldn't mind uh, preaching today, I just, I thought, <laughs> what can I, what passage, what text can I bring to bear for City Church? And I thought, exactly the question you asked me, Pastor Femi, what have I observed, what have I witnessed in this church over eight years? And I said, the work of God. <laughs> you are the work of God. This church is a miracle birthed by God. And so if I'm thinking about not just the past eight years, but the next eight years, the next 80 years and beyond, who knows what God has in store? I don't know of anything better that I could say than what the Bible is telling us here. Fix your eyes on Jesus and recognize him rightly for who he is. I know I'm repeating myself, but, it's, but Jesus repeated his, himself over and over and over again. He said, recognize me rightly. And the heavenly father says, listen to him. For the next generations to come, City Church will flourish so long as you recognize the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the humble servant at once found in Jesus and so long as you listen to him. I wonder, do you recognize him? And are you listening to him? Let me pray for you.
Jesus, you are almighty God. As we sang earlier, you are awesome, awesome, awesome. King of kings and Lord of lords, over everything and at the same time, Savior, Redeemer, friend. We glorify your name. As far as it is up to us, we praise your name. We look at your glory and your presence and we say with Peter, this is good. We want to remain with you. We also receive your rebuke that Peter received. And we say, God, where we are mistaken in our understanding of who you are, please correct us in your gracious goodness so that we might see and comprehend, that we might hear and understand. Help us to recognize you, O King. Help us to listen to your words. Show us those ways that other words have invaded our minds or our hearts or distracted or, or, or worse, deceived us. Lord, help us. Help City Church. I pray very plainly, very much that you would be with them and they would be with you and that they would bear much fruit. In Jesus' name, for what other name will I pray in? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this sermon helpful, we hope you join us in the mission of renewing Lagos with the gospel by sharing it, rating this podcast, and following us. These actions help us reach more people with the gospel. You can also connect with us on various social media platforms via the handle at City